They did this to you. They're trying to turn us against each other. Just look at them. What do they know about friendship anyway? I'll get them. You watch. I'll take care of those sons of bitches. Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect... These... Getting very careless. Blood in your hair. What will we do? You want to look pretty, don't you? Pretty for me. I can't believe you're not afraid. All you have to do is piss on it. Could you care blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Evil. God, my leg. God, my leg. I'm here. You're here. There's a fog bank out there. Messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. Demanding everything, including blood. John, I want this material burned. All of it. My son was a son of a bitch, and he was no good. That's it. My son is dead. I don't want to talk about him no more. Oh, Sandy. Oh, Sandy. You're gonna die. Ma'am. He didn't find any boy. You know as well as I do. Takes all kinds of critters to make farmer Vincent fritters. <laughs> I wonder who the real cannibals are. Okay, so I'm here with our editor. Great choice for this movie. Um, we're here to talk about one of the heavy hitters of 1980 cinema, um, one of the heavy hitters in all of cinema. The prolific, the infamous, the gut munching, uh, groundbreaking poster child of the video nasties the one the only the confrontational cannibal holocaust yes how do we start with this 
Well, I find Cannibal Holocaust deeply offensive because animals were, were killed in the making of it. Um, I mean... <laughs> I'm kidding. I um, I don't find Cannibal Holocaust offensive in any way, shape, or form. I love Cannibal Holocaust. I love the movie, but I find it offensive. I guess it it makes me ill, but that's its intent. And I, I am bothered by it, but at the same time, I think it's a masterpiece. So it's it's a really complicated movie. And it's one of these deals, right, where no matter negative or positive things, every mo- every time it's a five-star or, or half-a-star movie on every review you read, um, it's one of the most discussed, debated movies of all time. And it's just literally one of the most interesting pieces of filmmaking ever. If someone with a low vocabulary asked you to explain the term polarizing, you could use Cannibal Holocaust as perhaps the ultimate example. Um, it's a truly polarizing film, and I um, can't get enough of it. I, uh, yes, I adore Cannibal Holocaust uh, for whatever it's worth and whatever that says about me as a, a human being and B, a film fanatic. It's one of my all time favorite films. So, when did you first see this one? I had read about Cannibal Holocaust a lot growing up. I was a real, like, heavy, um, I got into movies generally as a hobby very young, and um, horror movies very young. I was allowed to watch whatever I wanted as a kid. I had access to amazing video stores. I didn't quite realize how great they were until I got older, and really till the internet. Um, I got my first email account in 93, and people would talk about these movies like they were obscure. And I'd be like, wait a minute, Last House on Dead End Street? That's a rare tape. I, you can rent that at my neighborhood video store and um, et cetera. So I um, did not really spend a lot of money on like special ordering movies. Like I had access to rent almost everything that was legally available on video. So something like cannibal holocaust i would occasionally see in a video store when i was traveling like a specialty video store i spent a lot of times a lot of time in mondo kim's in kim's video in new york city um and they had it you know i'd see it in places like that but uh, i didn't actually watch cannibal holocaust even though i'd read about it until i got involved in tape trading which was in my first year of college which was the 93-94 school year. So I really saw it pretty late in my development as a film viewer. That was when I was 18 or 19 years old. I was already a hardcore fan. I'd already seen anything I could that was rentable. But um, Cannibal Holocaust at that time was only available overseas. That's what I had to do. I'm not going to make up some story about some grainy first copy. My first copy looked awesome. It was like from Japanese Laserdisc or something. And I didn't, I didn't see some like, it was, actually it wasn't from Japanese Laserdisc because it was uncut, but, and uh, unfogged, I should say. But um, yeah, no, I, when I finally saw the movie, even though I had read about it for so long, it just blew my mind. Um, I had seen House on the Edge of the Park and Jungle Holocaust, some other Deodata movies that were rentable. But, um, you know, when I finally saw Cannibal Holocaust, really was a game changer for me. Um, already a fan of confrontational cinema. This one was really, <laughs> really something. Um, 
it wasn't my first cannibal movie. It wasn't, you know, my first extreme movie. But yeah, reading about it's one thing. Seeing the stills is one thing. Seeing the actual movie, a totally different experience. So yeah, I think it is one of the only ones that lives up to the hype generally. And the first time you see it, um, it was I'd seen other things, you know what I mean? I'd seen a lot of horror films myself, but I saw this when I was, I feel like 15, 16 years old. I know I was a sophomore and I got a tape and it looked pretty good. I think it was either off an import DVD or somewhere or was a laser disc rip. Bloodstorm video. They used to send tapes in the mail. I got it along with Cannibal Ferox and I watched those back to back. Holocaust first. I'm glad. And uh, I wandered around the house dazed and, and completely changed after that. And I had uh, just and nothing ever compared to seeing that movie the turtle, everything just made me feel ill. And, but it was the definite, you know, chasing the tail, as they would say, right after that one. And, and just nothing else ever compared. Um, so, so the plot is, is fairly simple, I guess. Uh, a group of documentary filmmakers disappear in the Green Inferno and a professor gets hired by a, a studio, a basically, I believe not a studio, but a film company or a television company to go find it. I don't know if he's doing it on his own. They never really make that clear. I think he actually is generally hired by the company to look for the film and whatnot, and then finds it. We watch the footage and we see the atrocities that Alan Yates and his film crew committed and why they ended up dead. Good summary. Good summary. It is um, definitely a film within a film type story. These days we use the term found footage um, to describe it, but um, in literary criticism it would be what's referred to as postmodernism, and uh it's uh ahead of its time it was one of the first movies i can think of that really does the found footage thing in the way that we're kind of accustomed to it now you know yeah um but uh you know it's just an extension of the italian cannibal film but it's like taken to the next level and really you know, when you think about confrontational cinema, some of the movies that preceded Cannibal Holocaust that come to mind are movies like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave and Sallow and there are quite a few, but um, Cannibal Holocaust is one that's just, you know, part of the canon, part of the, when you think about movies that seemingly their main intent is to make the audience member feel bad uh the average audience member feel bad that is up there on the list of course for those of us who enjoy confrontational cinema we kind of get off on the audaciousness we sort of um are amused and or titillated by the audaciousness more than we're sickened by it or certainly we're not offended by it but um a combination you know, of two <laughs> <laughs> a mixture. Well, so, yeah, it sort of took me a while to realize that about myself and to admit it about myself that, yeah, the first time you see something confrontational, it might upset you. But by the time I was getting to Cannibal Holocaust, I was like, call me sick, but I was just like amused by movies that I find audacious, you know, movies that push the envelope that um, amuses me more than anything else, more than it sickens me. Just kind of um, a style I appreciate and that makes me happy is when a movie pushes the envelope that, um, you know. 
and and I think after Cannibal Holocaust, um, I mean that one, it's pretty straight. But we we later day we like got people that were self aware of that kind of feeling, and, and they definitely made it of a dark, dark, darkly humorous. I would say, and a lot of people don't pick up on this. I, I feel that Human Centipede Two is a comedy, and and it just lives in the audaciousness. On and even I know this is going to sound fucked, but even Serbian film plays some of those for over the top insane moments of comedy i agree with you completely some of these newer movies are really like murder set pieces isn't really like trying to upset people as much as it's trying to be a roller coaster ride for people who like sick movies um it's like i spit in your grave too is not trying to um be taken seriously in any way shape or form it's really like okay you want to see a rape revenge movie here's your rape here's your revenge and uh, we're going to make it as extreme as we can. And we're really making the movie for Art Ettinger. We're not making the movie, you know, like, like it, it sounds twisted to say, but when I watched that movie, I was like, well, they made this movie for me, you know, and um, Human Centipede too. also, like, I'm, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, it's, um, it's sick, but it's also like having fun with the fact that it's sick. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The one thing that I, I do, I'm not probably not going to bring up too much that hasn't been mentioned on like the Diodato Holocaust documentary or the cursed films or any of the interviews you can watch on cannibal Holocaust, but there's points that they do bring up that I'm kind of interested in discussing because I, I, you know, we've heard different things about it. So the, the story is, you know, uh, of course, Ruggiero Diodato was kind of influenced by the Mondo films by Franco Pasperi and the other guys. Um, and he saw that and he saw the media and, and he makes mention of that in the Diodato Holocaust that when he was a kid, he watched the media and the media was violent. So that's what he bear for he, monkey see monkey do his kids watch Disney. So therefore people make fucking Disney movies now. But it, it's just that idea that he was obsessed with the realism as well. And when I initially heard him mention the Mondo films, it seemed like he was almost kind of condemning the Mondo films. But in this later documentary, it seemed like he had a genuine love for them. And I know he took Riz Ortolani from that, the score and everything, but it seemed like he was more in, in, you know, enamored by them instead of shitting on them. Did you get that feeling too? I, I don't know. I mean, I personally have interviewed Rosera and um, I've come to the conclusion that you really have to interview Ruggiero in Italian, which is what I did when I first interviewed him, not to toot my own horn, but like, his English isn't great. Like he can um, speak English reasonably well, but he can't understand a word I'm saying to him half the time. And he'll tell me, he'll say, oh, I do not understand you. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the man and I think he genuinely was trying to comment on that, aspect of the mondo film where maybe kind of sort of the documentarians would stage something that wasn't really going to happen that day you know um and but but like a true exploitation movie just because it's dealing with social issues and themes doesn't make it a message movie it's just exploiting a current niche a current theme and making a work of art about those issues. And it does it in a stunning way that really captivates and it's a provocative movie. I mean, you can have an you can have an intellectual conversation about the themes involved, or you can just have fun with it. Um, but either way, you know, you're not gonna leave unhappy. Besides the um, 
documentary you mentioned, there's the other new documentary, Searching for Cannibal Holocaust, that Callum Waddell did. And what's amazing about that documentary is he speaks to a couple of the natives who were in the movie, like he found them. And I mean, I sat there jaw agape, just like fascinated to see what these people look like today, to hear what they had to say about the movie. And they really kind of um, make a lot of what Deodato had said in the past um, seem even, you know, like they did eat the turtle. Like that's real, you know, like that's not just Deodato making excuses. Like, um, so anyway, I, I go, I, I went a little bit astray there. That's okay. Uh, I, I wanted to mention that doc too, but it's not available in the U.S. yet. Hopefully we'll get a release here because I will definitely pick it up. I might just import it. Because yeah, I, I have, I, at first it was, um, Callum shared it with me because I know him, but I have the um, German edition right in front of my eyes. I can see it glistening on the shelf over there, but um, no, it's, it's well worth checking out. So. so the one argument I've heard against the movie, and I, I argued blue in the face. I actually was arguing with somebody I'm close to. It was a hot summer day. We were walking and I was arguing about that. And they were against the movie. And I actually feel like I had a stroke where I had like got chills after I was so mad that I went, this isn't, I know it's nonsense, but have you ever been like that? Where you like argue, you're like, I just can't get my point across. But so like, it's an exploitation movie about the exploitation of people. And he succeeds doing this by exploiting everything in fucking sight. So the idea is the lady says you have to rape their senses to get your message across. And that's the whole entire message of the fucking movie. That's just basically the premise. You know, I have to fucking slap you in the fucking face to get your attention or you won't believe it. But by doing what he does, he loses his, you know, he, he becomes part of the thing with the animal killings. But at the same time, no one would pay attention to the, what he was fucking saying without doing it. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in such a weird way. And I just, it's, so interesting to talk about and i always argue that point but people just can't get past it well right and so generally speaking when you think about an exploitation movie it does not mean the exploitation of the people involved no no but in no. this particular movie <laughs> it sort of confuses the issue just um last night i was talking about um, why it's not a negative thing to call I Spit in Your Grave an exploitation movie. It's just an honest description. And I went over what the definition is of an exploitation movie. But you're right. Um, there was some real-life exploitation going on in the making of Cannibal Holocaust, which makes the movie sicker, right? Like, the movie would have already been sick. And then the idea of these, um, you know, indigenous people being like... Um, you know, having makeup put on them and, and jumping around and eating weird shit and, um, you know, but apparently like they didn't feel exploited. So who knows? But the uh, the animal business, man, I could I, I will not make any friends when I when I talk about the animal business, but at least I'm honest about it. Unlike, you know, the majority of people on either side of the issue, you know, I, I um, but we'll get there. I'm sure I just. Um, I, you know, I understand an exploit what you're saying with the animal stuff, but I, 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 I'm somewhere in the middle. But it depends on the animal. It depends on the scene, too, for me. Uh, as to this like point about exploitation films, like an exploitation film is a movie that tries to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. But that definition, that has more to do with how film is marketed 
than the contents of the film itself. You know, there were periods of time when musicals were exploitation films or Westerns were exploitation films because, you know, like Frankie and Annette Beach movies were exploitation films. Um, it, it's just like a trend. It's being marketed a certain way. Cannibal Holocaust also <laughs> involves actual exploitation. So that kind of blurs and confuses people about what's already um, unfortunately a confusing concept for people. But anyway. That, that's why it's just funny to me that it's like the inception of exploitation. You know what I mean? It's an exploitation movie about exploitation by exploiting people. Um, but like they, it's, it's a movie that tells you what it is. You got to well, the, the difference between Cannibal Holocaust and Inception is Inception's a total fucking piece of shit. And um, I didn't watch Inception Cannibal, because I'm not a big Nolan fan. Yeah, Cannibal Holocaust is one of the um, greatest movies of all time, and Inception is one of the most overrated movies of all time. But um, <laughs> um, there's a the one thing I do want to bring up is because I'm sure you've been in this argument as well, right? Um, where you talk any movie where there's real animal killings, and people will say, "Well, that's different. That's a horse. That's this," but Cannibal Ferox kills the same sort of river sea turtle in a scene. And it does it so matter-of-factly and ineffectually as far as filmmaking is concerned. But the way Diodato shot his with the realism and it puts you in the spot, you're not away from it. You know, you're not watching it on TV. You're there. It just is the one that gets ridiculed because it's so fucking effective. So sometimes it's, it, I feel like this movie is just too good at what it does. It is the reason why it suffered compared to Cannibal Ferox, which is, you know... Uh, entertaining movie but does the same shit just even less film-like it it's easier to just dismiss cannibal ferox as like exploitation trash whereas cannibal holocaust they even its biggest detractors would have to say for example hmm rizzo Talani or talani did the score that's odd you know or like you know parts of it are well shot or this or that like it's um it's not some slapdash cheapy. It's a, it's a intricate, very complicated film, and I, um, I, 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 the blending of reality and fiction is um, partly what makes the movie work so well. And without the animal killings, it would be a much different movie. I'm not saying you should kill animals to make the movie, but I do not um, think that to say the movie you know doesn't need it or the movie like that's clearly a big part of what cannibal holocaust is and why it's so effective and why it's such a sick movie right so yeah it's kind of like i know people always say this like the pinnacle of uh, practical special effects was 1982 the thing and after that it never got better and it just kind of was there savagery and brutality peaked out with cannibal holocaust to me I, I that's as far as i can see and it never got worse than that and after that was done it was kind of just the one that was like all right we should be done with this that's enough with the animal stuff it's just and, and like they paint the picture of diodato being in that jungle and becoming the so-called savages he's supposed to portray even though the filmmakers are the real savages right i wonder who the cannibals are real cannibals are but it's just he almost is that person within it's just like he's it's just such a strange thing like just the way the actors portray him as just someone who's a madman who just pushed everybody further and almost became the monster that he's putting on the screen. Do you think he saw himself in Alan Yates at all? I don't see how he couldn't. I think like um, there must have been a few moments on set where he was like, hmm, this is like, you know, 
this is the postmodernism unfolding in reality before my eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Carl York is not given the credit he should be given. That performance is outstanding. Perfect. It is a wonderful, wonderful performance. When the girl is on the stick and he, like, goes from laughing to, like, pretending to be serious for the camera, what a just what an amazing performance and you know he's just such a bastard in that movie and so believably so um, and then you meet the guy he's just a nice guy he's nice super intellectual incredibly intelligent literary guy he was a Stanford professor for Christ's sake and there he is in the jungle raping and um, violating the indigenous peoples um, but man I um Cannibal Holocaust gets me going. It's one of these things that, like, you know, I, I, I come to terms that um, I don't want to know what it is about myself. I'm not. I, I gravitated from a young age towards the confrontational horror movies. There are people whose favorite horror movie is John Carpenter's The Thing, as you just mentioned, or Jaws, or or um, Dawn of the Dead, and those people are some of the same people who will kind of scoff. If you tell them your favorite movies, I spit on your grave or whatever. Like I, I love you know, those movies, but, but I love these movies as well. So these are the movies that like I, I'm not knocking those movies, but these are my movies. These are like the movies that really make me love cinema. Um, I love slasher movies. I love all kinds of horror movies. I love all kinds of movies, but confrontational, sick horror movies, my favorite type of movie. They've always been and um, they always will be. I um, I adore them. So I've been hearing that, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of people talk about it. And I've heard this brought up a couple of times and I, I disagree with it. So they believe that Alan Yates and his film crew put the woman on the pike, but that defeats the purpose. Of, for me, they want, he's watching what he caused. That's why he sees, that's why he's smiling at first, not because they put her on the pike, but because they're getting this shot because of what they did. It's a, you know what I mean? That's how I seen it. The, the people who think that they put her there are just wrong. They're wrong and they're, they're not reading uh, it right. No, they're not. They're, that's a, that's a real stretch that I do not agree with. I know the movie quite well and yeah. that, no, that's not implied. Yeah, that's not there. You, yeah, they're reading, they're making, they're making something up that's not there. It, it, because they filmed the rape which is unneeded for the footage they would need later. So why wouldn't they feel putting her on the pike as well? Although there is damage footage they mentioned, so you could, but it just doesn't make any sense the way Alan's acting as someone who is a shitty actor. I'm not Alan Yates is great. I mean, I'm the shitty actor. Alan Yates, um, uh, Gabrielle York is great, but I can just see that his, he's trying to, as far as I can tell, be very excited with what they're getting. He wouldn't have that excitement if he put her on the pike himself. He, they're coming up to the pike and seeing her for the, oh, wow, look what we got. This is great, you know? Don't sell yourself short. You're not a shitty actor, number one. And number two, agreed that scene in Cannibal Holocaust just doesn't play out that way. Like, he is like, um, oh, my, like, you know, this is um, this is their response because of how they value virginity. Um, yeah. 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 Like I, that's just such a, all the actors in this movie, like they have, there's like, like I said, details, like I know you're a big fan. I spin in your grave. And when I rewatched that the most recent time, I, I always loved the movie 
Um, it was a movie that I would show my friends and they would be like, you're fucking sick. And I'd be like, isn't it great? But uh, there's little moments in the editing, like when they cut to Stanley's face and he has that moment where he's just holding and he starts to smile. And I feel like Cannibal Holocaust has these little lines or these little moments in their faces that just, it just like, it adds it. And the music adds to everything. It's just the best score of all time, probably. But it's just the, um, and moments that come to me are the Alan Yates scene with that speech. It's just um, ungodly wonderful and Faye's face during that speech is probably her best bit of acting. How I've never seen somebody look so beautiful earlier in the movie. Now she's covered in mud and her face of disgust just makes her look 100 years old. And, and just bits of Perry after the turtle when uh, um, Jack, his face, you could tell he's actively disgusted, a, a sense of realism caught on camera. And I feel like the entire moment with Mark Tommaso is sums up his character because he's the most brutal, although people wouldn't think so he when he puts the butterflies in the display and he's smiling about it that's just like this is this character a hundred percent there's these small little details that no one brings up of why this movie is fucking perfection yeah what are the, some of your um, favorites sorry I'm, I'm curious on any of yours that you have like no that. like those scenes of disgust are um to me reminiscent of the scene in last house on the left after the um the killing of the girl where they go and clean off in the lake and they're all just looking so like grossed out at themselves for what they've done um it's that type of a vibe uh my favorite uh my favorite scene in cannibal holocaust is the one you just described when they come upon the girl on the stake and just um alan's performance and face performance in um in those in those shots uh, francesca charty and 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 um my man whose name is carl gabriel york those two are just like yeah they just um it's just such a powerful scene and when i think of the movie that's what first comes to mind so so i mean Riz, Riz Ortolani is, is my favorite composer just because he had the one-two punch with this, but he also, I mean, he elevates that scene in um, Don't Torture a Duckling as well. That scene is just, without the score, I don't know how it works, but with that score, it just brings tears to my eyes. And I like it, like you, I love to feel bad. Is that weird? Like, I love to have the movie attack me and then I get a, a, emotional about it, you know? And then I want to show someone else. It's just a weird sickness. I, I don't know how to explain it. That's just how, that's, oops, that's how cinema wastelanders are, I guess. Right. Um, so, so like, how do you feel? Like, is there anything comparable to that Riz Ortolani score? How, how important is it to the movie? It's extremely important to the movie. Um, the approach is sort of like counterpoint, like in last house on the left, you have this hippy dippy, like folk music, and then you have these like nasty rape scenes. This is sort of that approach where you have this like serene music and then you have this like disgusting stuff going on. Now you don't just have the serene music. You also have the other main theme of the movie. And, um, but yeah, no, I love the Ortolani score and it does elevate the movie. The movie is just technically a very well-made movie. It's a very, well edited movie it's a very well shot movie it's a very clever film on so many levels and that's why i get angry when the um some of the like know-it-all mainstream horror fans when they um 
call out something like Cannibal Holocaust as amateurish or a lot of people have a hard time with like the ADR, you know, the like some of the way some of the dialogue comes across because of that. Um, but the movies in English, unlike a lot of Italian movies or unlike some, and yes, there's a lot of ADR, but it's done well. And I don't know. I just, I feel as though you have people who are going to condemn a movie like Cannibal Holocaust and those people are not my friends. Those are other people. I don't know. You know, those are the, that's the, those are my film enemies, the Cannibal Holocaust detractors. Uh, I was calling them Cannibal Holocaust deniers for a while, um, <laughs> which I thought was very clever. And um, I um, I was told that that just that's that's a that's something I'm not supposed to say, but yeah. I think it's funny. So I even had like yeah, you know, I, I posted. I remember on Facebook when Facebook made a big point of saying that they were going to no longer allow groups that post about denying the Holocaust. I was like, well, what about people who deny the fact that Cannibal Holocaust is a great movie like um, and you know some people were not happy with that joke but anyway people who don't like Cannibal Holocaust call them Cannibal Holocaust deniers that's what I do I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that and I'll bring it up on the podcast because it's not a Holocaust joke it's uh it's just a wordplay pun joke and um if I can't make those what jokes can I make so yeah I mean the the, the one thing is the, the title itself right Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> Right when I when you first heard that title without seeing it, like what is this heavy metal fucking grind? What is this? Like I, and then when you see it, you're like, yeah, that's the right title, and it doesn't sound like shit after you see it. But when you first hear it, you're like, what is this? Like I don't know how to explain it, but I just would think, oh, is this just going to be devil horns? No, no, nothing but just hardcore gore and just you know German splatter or something like that. But it's just the title alone. It, it's it's it sets it back and pushes it forward. I don't know how to explain it. I've always loved the title. It's just like, it's, um, yeah. Even the title's in your face, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's two of the craziest things of all time. The Holocaust and fucking cannibals, which is one of the biggest taboos. Um, so, uh, but let me lose my spot here. Um, I did want to mention, like, I like the beginning stuff because they set these characters up, right? You hear all of them talk about them, um, his co-workers, father. So you get the idea that these people are not who they seem. And that's just a good way to, to build everything up until that. So, so like, I don't know. It's just a really clever way to, to build that stuff up, too. Um, what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing I was going to bring up when you mentioned that scene of showing um, them be disgusted and comparing it to Last House on the Left, that reminds me of um, James L. Edwards said that he... Um, had letters from Henry Lee Lucas, right? Um, prison letters. And they were to a woman. And like, what bothers people is knowing, because they like to write off like mo of people that kill or people that commit violent crimes as inhuman. They're not human. They're monsters. But when they see that bit of humanity in them, it makes it all that more real and grounded and fucked up that you could possibly see uh, yourself doing something like this awful under bad circumstances so he said that these letters of henry were literally just writing to this woman begging her not to leave him or not to stop writing him and this little bit of humanity in henry although we know that what henry did has been quite exaggerated so but still just the idea right there is is what i don't know who originally put that in there was it you think that was craven was fairly responsible for that i'm sure it predates it 
Oh, I'm sorry. Put what in there? The the like, idea that that Krug is like I'm trying to think of the first note time in like a horror exploitation film when they showed the humanity in what otherwise is a no. Monster. I mean that's what that is like. One of the main reasons why that movie stood out was the actors and the way that they were portrayed in such a realistic, humanistic way. I think is really what that what's so powerful about that movie. Um, more so than even the um, more realistic portrayal of sexual violence than yeah. people were used to seeing. I think um, the acting and the way that those characters are portrayed. Um, yeah, and to, to your point about um, Henry Lee Lucas, um, Ariel Castro, the Cleveland kidnapper, um, who had those two girls in his yeah, house yeah. forever and ever, his speech in court, the media did not, like some higher-ups decided that the public should not hear much of it. Watch that speech. It's wild. And But one of the most interesting parts is when he says, you know, I am not a monster. I am sick. And he describes himself as, you know, all these, all these issues that caused him to behave that way. And, you know, that's how someone like me sees the world. I don't, um, you know, unless you're a religious person who believes in like evil and like non-secular concepts like that, I mean, some people are just um, a little off, you know, they just have like a brain that works different than the rest of us. They're not like bad people. They're not evil people. They just are, you know, they didn't get that hug and that medication and they ended up, you know, doing horrible things. But, you know, society has a responsibility to figure out how to deal with those people other than just, you know, locking them up or executing them or whatever, you know, normal people think the solutions are. Those, those solutions don't help anybody, but um, the um, Ariel Castro speech is a must-see. I highly recommend it. Um, it's uh, very interesting. Also, if people don't know, Art is a defense attorney. So <laughs> that's like, you got to have that mentality, right, to defend people. I would, I would expect so. I would want my defense attorney to have that mentality, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't judge what my clients are accused of. I'm there to do my best for them. And, you know, I, um, I have pretty extreme points of view about crime and punishment that I don't need to get into here. But I, I don't think that um, incarceration is the answer to solving social problems. But in any event, um, as far as cannibal holocaust goes, it puts a smile on my face from ear to ear. <laughs> um. I showed my friend this for the, he'd never seen cannibal Holocaust. He had, he had a rough double feature that night um, house on the edge of the park and cannibal Holocaust back to back double feature. And uh, he was pretty, I was like, what did uh, we, the weekend before we watched a bunch of movies? I was like, what was your favorite of the bunch? And he was just like, I don't like, he wanted to say cannibal Holocaust, but he couldn't. He was just like, you got to see it once. You got to see yeah. it once. That's all he could say. He's like, I don't know what I like. I just, you have to see it once. It has to be watched once. You have to experience cannibal Holocaust. And I don't, I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole here too, but you're bringing it out in me. I get, I get real tired of, uh, you don't have to watch the movies. I understand if it's not for you, but I get real tired of people that want to cover exploitation and grindhouse and extreme horror, but then they have a lot of boundaries, a lot of boundaries. And they're like, well, I'm talking about like, then the same for you. The stuff ain't for you then. I'm sorry. Like, you, you, and it's just so many people condemn a lot of movies without watching them. And Cannibal Holocaust is definitely one of those other ones. Like the movie is, like you said, endlessly clever in so many ways. It, 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 and you know what? I, I bet this movie caused more vegans 
than fucking PETA ever did. I know that's fucked up. I'm not justifying the animal killings. I'm just making a fact. That no, I, I mean, uh, between this and Faces of Death, Faces of Death was the one when I was a kid. So many people became vegetarians or vegans after seeing it. Um, have you ever seen Cannibal Holocaust on film? Have you ever seen it projected? No. It's amazing. It yeah. is, you know, Grindhouse made new prints of it. I want to say 2005 or so. And um, one of the only times I left Cinema Wasteland other than to eat um, the cinema tech in Cleveland, when that movie first was re-released on film, they showed it and it coincided with the wasteland. And that Saturday night, I took a couple hours away from wasteland to go see cannibal Holocaust in 35 millimeter. And it just blew my mind. It's just like, finally, I've seen it on film again since then a couple of times, but just that first time it really has even better production values than, you know, it's just a gorgeous film and loud and big and in your face. Like, I sit up close when I go to the movies. If I want to see a movie small, I watch it at home. Like, um, depending on the theater, um, depends on how close I sit. But at the old Cleveland Cinematheque, there was a huge amount of space between the front row and the screen. And that's where I would always sit there. At the new one, I sit a few rows yeah. back. But um, boy, did Cannibal Holocaust look incredible there. It really blew my mind. And, you know, I've seen it in theatrical settings since then. And um, that's the way to see that movie. Um, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous film. How, how did the audience take it? Well, I think a lot of the audience had seen it before. When I showed it in a college class that I taught, I taught a class at the PC Liberal Arts College I went to that other students could get college credit for. And that was when Cannibal Holocaust still wasn't available in the U.S. So not that many people had seen it, if any. And so I showed it to a class there and they, um, they went wild. I mean, they just were, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe what they were saying. A couple of people who were non, non meat eaters were upset by the animal scenes, but generally speaking, the, um, the audience responded very well to it. It's an effective movie and it plays very well with an audience. So. I should bring up when I was 16, I had a, a, a film teacher in high school. Right. And I let him borrow the the bootleg vhs of cannibal and he fucking watched it and he gave it back and he was like it was pretty wild that's that's a cool fucking teacher nowadays i would be expelled i'd be fucking in some insane asylum yeah i, I should go back and see that guy and bring that up to him to see if he remembers that but i just that's just such a weird time I and mean, you know yeah. the early 2000s i you know the one thing that diodato brings up that's strange um is he says that mentions like you know he's attacked from the right and then 10 years later, he'll be attacked from the left. And then 10 years later, he'll be attacked from the right again. And that's just such a, that, that puts a lot of people in a, in a weird position to where they feel about cannibal Holocaust in generals. But this movie offended, what did we just say? The right originally. And then because the, we had the, the video nasties and then, the I other- mean, the, so, the video, na- it's confusing because I think there were elements of both the left and the right that were behind the video nasties. I like, I'm extremely far left. Um, but I don't align myself with mainstream liberals because of some speech issues. I am like way farther to the left than that. And, um, you know, technically I'm extremely far to the left, but um, there are people who really do not, um, there are well-intended people on both the left and the right who really do not respect free speech. And um, I'm all about it. And I, um, I, I don't understand how people can feel comfortable attacking works of art in the way that a lot of liberals do. It it feels like book burning to me. Like 
they're all they are they want to tell you it's not censorship if the government isn't doing it no that is false um it might not implicate the first amendment but it's still censorship it's just censorship not by the government like just because you know it's not the government doesn't mean it's not censorship it means the first amendment might not be um implicated and it might not be governmental censorship but like it's like you know just another name for the same thing like and so you know, there, there's a lot of anti-speech people on the left right now, and it's very sad. I, um, you know, I, I, um, I don't think it's productive to attack works of art. There's a lot of people who can't distinguish. You know, a movie has a misogynistic character. That doesn't make the movie misogynistic. You know, there's too many people. Sorry, go ahead. Rogero Deodato is not a right-wing individual. None of those Italian filmmakers are. He just isn't. Archie um, was a communist. Yeah, no, these people are very far to the left, typically. Um, and it's like, um, it's very sad that mainstream American liberals, they don't care. The reason House on the Edge of the Park, well, we'll get to that. But the reason it is um, was still cut in England for so long is because it's low art, you know? Like, where is the outcry in a civilized country like England? Because no one gives a shit. It's low art. If it was high art, if it was Mapplethorpe, people would be pissed off. But if it's Cannibal Holocaust or House on the Edge of the Park, well, you know, we don't really care about speech enough to, you know, to worry about this low art being affected. But I mean, I'm not patriotic at all, but the First Amendment's one of the few things that this country has going for it. And there is something to be said for this notion that we're being inundated with people who want to cancel other people or want to shut down works of art. Like, it's, it's a scary time and I think that um, you're not right wing for having concerns about free speech. And in fact, um, you know, everybody should want the right to speak to be protected. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy everywhere. That's the problem. And it's just nonsense. I'm over. You got to be against censorship on principle. When I was growing up, I, it, it just aligned more with where I was from. And then as I got older, it didn't so much, but hey, I mean, it's just what it is. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on? There's so much stuff to bring up. There's a little interesting facts. We didn't even bring up Robert Kerman, who condemned. Yeah, this movie, so I mean, like, but... like a couple of things that I think has to have to be brought up. It's amazing that this movie was such a hit around the world, and then when it finally got released in the states, it really kind of flubbed. You know, it had a nice big release in Manhattan, but it just didn't catch. Um, and that's an interesting fact. If it had been released by a big video company in the U.S., like, you know, could it have been um, a way bigger phenomenon um, than it ended up being? Um, it was big in certain countries. We all know about how uh, the year it came out in Japan. It was the second highest grossing movie that year in Japan. Well, that could that have happened here? I don't know, but it did get buried here. Um, another thing that, of course, is interesting is there is crossover with not just Robert Kerman, Terry Perkinen's also a porn star. Like yeah. there's um there were there was a crossover between porn and cannibal holocaust. Some people think it has to do with um the mafia involvement in both the exploitation industry and the porn industry in New York. I don't know. But um Kerman is um, you know, he was a lot of fun to be around and he was um, you know, and he would say a lot of negative things about cannibal holocaust, but um you know, it showed that he could act and, um, 
I like his performance in the movie too. So yeah, I, I enjoy him. And and some of the stuff with him in, in the screening room is some of the best stuff when the executives push to show it. And they're like the not the two, like they're not the bosses, but they're the guys that the, the guy and girl that push for it and they give that each other that look like fuck what what they just did and that's that's the brilliant that's the most brilliant look ever to say fuck executives that's just the best thing and it's just like i love that attitude there um i was on to something i'm I'm slipping my mind oh about kerman too it's just funny because he was in eating alive the same year and fucking cannibal ferox and animals dying in bundles in those movies so i don't know again like i said the focus is on holocaust because it's the better made film and it's the one that genuinely rocked the world um, and I, I should bring up, it's kind of a funny little thing you might get a kick out of. Do you, I used to have this book, I still have it, called Tear on Tape, right? Yeah, sure. book. And uh, they list the tapes, where they're from, yada, yada. And it was up till like 93 or 94. And Cannibal Holocaust is in there, but there was never a United States tape. And they put it under Mogul video, which is inaccurate. The guy just probably wanted to review it because it's such an infamous title. So, I don't know of this tape. Do you? So Mogul announced Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. They were supposed to release it. There was, uh, remember those ads in Fangoria for Marshall Discount Video? I used to order from Marshall, <clears throat> excuse me, order from Marshall Discount Video on occasion. And if you placed like one order there, they put you on their mailing list. And I would get these great catalogs that would uh, every month talk, have a listing of all the new releases. And there was a release date set for Cannibal Holocaust to be released by Mogul. It just never happened. So um, that's where that came from. Um, that's that's a nice information piece right there because i don't think anybody never brought that up i have it right here for another project i just worked on let me grab this book real quick it's right over here it's so rare i'm gonna grab a couple of things because they're both right in front of me um but on the book first um so one of the because of the video nasties i should probably wait till i'm saying right there so because of the video nasties controversy in england there was that was one of the first contexts that some of these movies were ever written about in a scholarly way. And this British book here, edited by Martin Barker, The Video Nasties, Freedom and Censorship in the Media. This book here um, from England back then includes some of the first like um, intelligent defenses of Cannibal Holocaust, of I Spit on Your Grave. And it's kind of becoming a forgotten book. It came out in 84 in England. And it is a must. This book is a classic, and I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to see how these movies were first written about in a scholarly way. And while I was grabbing that book, um, here's a plug for Callum's Amazing, Searching for Cannibal Holocaust. This is the edition. It's a very cool edition. There's another edition that's like more stripped down. This one has, you know, this giant, um, giant book. Um, But yeah, really a... um, Really great release and um, a really cool movie. Um, Grindhouse, I think, is going to include it as an extra on the 4K Cannibal Holocaust. That's, that's I picked up on that somewhere, is my belief. But um, in any event, I highly recommend that documentary and that Video Nasties book. Um, I don't know how hard it is to find. It used to be pretty easy to find. Um, cool book. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't have much too much to say about any more about Cannibal Holocaust. And I've talked about this movie to death. I've defended it to death. I've argued a lot about this and other cannibal movies. I'm a big fan. I, I don't want to go over the history of cannibal films, you know, Lenzi versus Diodato. I mean, people can find that on their own, but uh, it's just a masterpiece. It's perfect. It's the, I mean, it, it 
structurally it's genius it's edited genius it's scored genius the acting is great um from all the small characters um the dialogue is very quotable very memorable um my son my son is no good i do that every day <laughs> to somebody keep the keep you high and dry professor just on unlimited quotes every line in this movie is is memorable every scene in this movie is memorable it's a masterpiece i, I don't know i have anything else to say top five favorite probably films of all time for me so yourself i um, did a top 10 for you of my 10 favorite confrontational horror movies i can't remember where it was on the list it was pretty high up on the list it's um it's a masterpiece and it's certainly on my list of if not top 10 favorite movies of all time top 20 it's in there um you know my um my core group of very favorite of like my favorite favorite movies are mainly confrontational horror movies there's a few other movies that aren't um but um those are really the movies i gravitate towards the most and i'm really thankful i've gotten to know rodeo data we've had a lot of fun um last time he was at chiller we were singing the theme song to cannibal holocaust together but we were like adding as a lyric like his name and um, it just was a lot of fun. So, you know, we had the whole room singing the song and we were like, Deo Dotto, Deo Dotto, Deo Dotto. And then the funniest part is at the end of it, you know, Deo Dotto in his ESL way, uh, the way the song ends is it goes, Deo Dotto, Deo Dotto. And then you go, you. And I don't know why you say you at the end, but we did and it was fun, so. Yes, that's one of my Deodato stories. So. I, I briefly got to meet him, and all I told him was best Italian movie ever. That's all I said. And I mean, because I mean, I don't speak Italian, and I just I don't like to bother people too much. I always feel like I'm bothering, but you know, I like to keep it brief, give them the money, get the whatever, just to meet him. But uh, yeah, th- thanks for doing this. Um, no problem. Like I said, uh, I can't think of too many more people I'd, I'd have on for Cannibal Holocaust. I will take that as a compliment. I'm flattered. John, I want this material burned. All of it. Yep. I wonder who the real cannibals are.